Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host. I hope you're having a great day somewhere in the wonderful outdoors that we have, and what an outstanding show we have for you today. The restoration and expansion of the black bear in North America has been nothing short of amazing. Their adaptability to a variety of habitats have seen bears from Canada to Florida and beyond. And they can be seen literally within the shadow of New York City. And bear densities in northern New Jersey, well, they found better than 10 bears per square mile. Well, today, we're going to focus on the state of North Carolina, specifically in the coastal areas where they're finding and taking many record book bears. But before we get into this week's show, I just want to mention that Santa's Wonderland is waiting for you at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. There's something for everyone with free crafts, games, food, free photos with Santa, and of course all the gifts that uh, are on your list for this Christmas. Last year, over one million children had their picture taken with Santa at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, and on the way it's shaping up, we're going to see more children than ever. So schedule your visit with Santa. Come on out to Bass Pro and Cabela's for all of your Christmas needs. Celebrate the season where you'll feel the warmth and the wonders of this great American destination. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to talk bears on this entire show, and it's pretty exciting when you get out here to see just what is happening on the landscape. I had one individual tell me, he said, the bear population has just exploded. We're going to hear more about it right now. And on today's show, I have with me a commissioner with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, Wes Seeger. Wes, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Thank you so much, Rob. I look forward to it and uh, telling you a little bit about the North Carolina bear story. Well, you know, I've, I've been here before, not here to your place, and uh, I've heard the stories and now what I saw this morning was just utterly amazing. 13 bears in a little over an hour's time. And I can tell you there was probably 8 to 10 that may have been over 500 pounds. But this all didn't happen by accident. Give us a little bit of a, of a history of bear restoration, bear management here in the state of North Carolina. Well, certainly one of the things that we've done in, in our responsibility as, as a commission is, is the health of all wildlife in North Carolina, and certainly bears in the eastern part of the state, which surprise a lot of people that we have. Uh, I think bears are more associated with the mountainous area, but we have a, an even larger population of coastal bears, estimated somewhere between 11 and, and 14,000 bears uh, in, in this part of the state. And, and strangely enough, partly because of our agriculture, culture uh, over here that uh, we have the healthiest bear population, not only in North Carolina from the mountains to the coast, but also in North America. And uh, it's really quite unique to, to have that kind of population and that kind of density and that kind of health of bears in, uh, in, a, in a coastal region. 
You know, when I mentioned to somebody that you might see a dozen bears in a morning sit, they said there's no way possible. They might have been exposed to, you know, hunting them in Canada over bait, or they may have been in the mountains of Pennsylvania and maybe got to see one in two or three years of bear hunting. But to see that many is one thing. But to see so many big black bears, what do you attribute this this tremendous size of these bears compared to other parts of the country. Well, I, I do think a, a lot of this is, is due to agriculture. The, the Eastern North Carolina is a primarily agricultural area. There's very little industry, and uh, again, mostly corn and beans. And uh, the bear density has just continued to increase because of the health. The milder winters, uh, most of our bears do not hibernate. They'll they'll go dormant for a few days at a time in some really cold coldest area. But they still are up moving all the time and uh, and, and do a, a really good job in foraging pretty much year-round. So that, that certainly helps. Also, the commission um, has allowed over the last number of years baiting for bears, which was somewhat controversial to start with. But we've also seen an increase in the health of bears. Uh, which we think, uh, and, and you have to all use all natural products. No sugar or salt-based or processed foods are allowed. So we're seeing the, the still the, the natural foods that are available to them so we don't have any kind of uh, either tooth decay or disease or whatever as a result of, of, of a, a processed product. But we, we're just seeing the continual growth of, of bears and almost to the point where one of the things the commission has determined, we, we want to try to take about 27% of the annual take of, of the bear population. We, quite frankly, have not been able to get to that point, I I think last year we got the closest to it um, and not to exceed 40 percent is with with the females with the sows but um, we are seeing more bears with uh, twins and triplets than we've ever seen before and I think not only become the nutrition but also the milder winters have had a big impact on that. Do you find many bear damage complaints? You know, I've hunted uh, in the Northeast. I did a film, uh, actually a TV show for Boone and Crockett Country. And the bear damage complaints up there, when they had actually shut down the bear season, there were more bear damage complaints in northern New Jersey than the entire Northeast. Do you have that issue here in North Carolina? Not not so much. And again, I, I think the reason for that is the uh, bears just don't want to have human contact. They, 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 and if they've got basically food, water, and cover, which they have in this rural area, there's really no need for them to, to, to go into the towns and things. Now, there, there is some of that, but it is just incredibly small. We, we do hear some of that complaints at the commission from time to time, but that is extremely rare just simply because of the, the, the amount of habitat we have and the food source that's so readily available for them. That we, we know that there's, there are literally bears that den up or will go in a thicket that never travel have to travel more than 500 yards from a food source to a water to where they where they live, and so consequently, it, it's not hard to have an unlimited food supply uh, and to put on the kind of poundage and weight that they do. Well, Wes, uh, we got lots more to talk about. We're going to come back in the next segment, sort of wrap it up, and then we're going to get with one of the bear hunting outfitters here in North Carolina. Lots to talk about. Going to move to that first break. Continue our conversation about black bears, black bear hunting and management. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kick, your host, right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. 
Bryson, life member of the Dallas Safari Club, and I'd like to invite you to become a member of the world's finest outdoor conservation organization whose mission revolves around wildlife conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. DSC is a worldwide organization comprised of like-minded outdoor people who have granted more than $4 million in the last two years in support of projects involved in the scientific-based management of wildlife and habitat. To learn more and become a member, please go to biggame.org. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There could be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, this statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with one of the commissioners from the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, Wes Sigurd. Wes, looking at uh, the length of season here in North Carolina, share with our listeners, because I'm sure you've already piqued the interest of some people that may want to come hunt here in North Carolina. How, how long does the season run here? Well, you know, we've just added another couple of weeks. We we usually have a split season, and uh, we have, uh, I guess the total number of days now is up to about 30 days, isn't it? Correct. Uh, so uh, part of that is because we're trying to, uh, to ha- uh, sustain or obtain a zero growth at about that 27% kill ratio that I had mentioned earlier. We, were not being, we have not been able to achieve that, so we have lengthened the season and, uh, and certainly invite those from other states to come enjoy our our eastern north carolina and our wonderful state um and uh and see some and, and be involved in some of the largest bears um uh in in, in actually in north america so uh, that's great do you have bear check-in stations i know in states like pennsylvania for harvest a bear you've uh, you got to go to either one of the check-in stations or you have to have a wildlife officer come out they usually extract a tooth. They want to know weights, uh, which are all part of the management of the black bear. We do, and, and, and part of what we try to do is accommodate the hunter and, and the outfitters as much as we possibly can. We've got two-man teams uh, made up of both men and women uh, that are out roving the counties, uh, the, the predominant counties that are, the seasons are in, uh, just to provide that service. Uh, there's a 1-800-I-GOT-ONE. Uh, you give them your location. We do everything we can to try to be there as quickly as possible usually within an hour or less um, to, to pull a tooth uh, and participate in that program. You, you see a lot of orange hats that says, I'm a black bear cooperator. Uh, basically, they'll, they may take uh, uh, either some organ sample that they may be studying for, uh, or blood samples or, or uh, muscle tissue samples, as well as the tooth. Uh, if, if you participate in that program, and, and virtually all hunters do over here, um, they, uh, they're, they're eligible to be part of that program. And in, within a, a matter of a few months, uh, they'll get a letter back from the commission. Uh, give them the age of the animal um, and uh, uh, statistics that they have on them, as well as one of those nice orange hats that says you're a black bear cooperator. <laughs> you know, 
Black Bear expansion has just been unbelievable across North America, not just here in North Carolina. Are you finding that that expansion is continuing to move towards more urban areas? Well, we are, and and actually that it is problematic. Um, I, I think uh, you know North Carolina has just crossed the 10 million population, and uh, we're seeing primarily into Piedmont the, the, the bears are moving pretty much up the river uh, corridors into the central part of the state, and quite frankly. Frankly, there's, we, even though we do have a hunting season there, we don't have the participation in, in that kind of big game up there. And so we're a little afraid that that, we, you had asked earlier about uh, intrusion of bears and, and, and household, and, and, and uh, we see that coming. And so we're doing our best we can to try to uh, hold that population back as much as we can. But quite frankly, it, it continues to expand all the way across the state. Eastern North Carolina is not the only part of the Tar Heel State that has black bears. You've had them for a long time up in the mountains. Tell us about that population. Well, that population is is consistent, and I mean they they have they they continue to have a um, an active uh, hunt uh, season up there as well. They they are more contingent on the mass crop and what the acorn crop is up there because they don't have the agricultural fields that we do. So consequently, the population is not as dense. They don't have quite the reproductive schedule that we do down here uh, as well as um, just the habitat uh, and, and they do tend to den up and um, uh, and hibernate over the winter up there uh, they've got a much harsher winter than we do down here on the coast um, as we are doing this interview right here we are literally less than um, a mile about two miles from from the sound so on the salt water on the marsh and so. most people know where the outer banks they've heard of nags head they've heard of the outer banks And probably the last thing they even think about is bear hunting. That is very true. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about my hunt this morning was watching these huge flocks of swans, Canada geese, all kinds of waterfowl that are moving down from up north, big cold front coming in. When someone might book a bear hunt in North Carolina, they might also consider waterfowl hunting. True? They absolutely could. We, we have a very active waterfowl season down here and a lot of great guides uh, that perform a huge service. You can either hunt puddle ducks or you can sea duck hunt. Um, there's some classic hunting out on Hatteras um, with curtain blinds. That's a really unique experience. Um, so, yeah, we, we have pretty much everything the outdoor sportsman could, could, could look for uh, in eastern North Carolina. So a lot of whitetails here, too. And uh, I know North Carolina has a lot of very avid and accomplished whitetail deer hunters. We, we do that. And uh, we in eastern North Carolina still have one of the old traditions. that We did a lot of steel hunting, but we also have uh, dog hunting as well, and which is to hear that chase is, uh, is, is quite thrilling, especially if you've never done that. And certainly there's guys down here that, uh, that would be glad to take somebody and, and, and involve them in those kind of hunts as well. If someone from out of state that's listening today said, man, I want to book a bear hunt in North Carolina, is there a resource through the agency that might identify your uh, your outfitters here in North Carolina? We do have we do have some lists of, of outfitters. They can contact the agency. Uh, we've also developed in the last several years a guidebook uh, that we publish every spring and every fall. 
uh, and they can get one of those. And they can in that book. There's all kind of maps and uh, game land areas and and our rules and regulations. And and there's a great resource tool for if they're really thinking about it. Is contact the commission and uh, and have one of those magazines sent to them. And they can there's guides in there. There's there's great information that will assist them in getting in the course with the internet. And uh, nowadays you can get just about anything that you would like. Yeah, for sure. Well, here in the last 30 seconds, you and I, we had a discussion last night about the future of hunting. How about a final word on what you see is so important that we can pass this great tradition on to our next generation? Well, it, 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 is, it is a little concerning that, that we are seeing so many children nowadays that are so involved with uh, electronic games and that, that kind of stuff, and we just are not seeing the youth outside and, and, and activities and the hunting and fishing and the and and the heritage that goes along with going with your dad and your granddad and and just on a rabbit hunt or a squirrel hunt it, it doesn't have to be a bear hunt it just being out in the field and in nature and, and having an appreciation and not only are the hunters in this state great conservationists they are the major conservationists and they are so con- con- concerned about having habitat preservation and enhancement uh, there are tens of millions of dollars that the, the sportsmen in this state spend for the enhanced conservation not only for the hunt species they hunt, but for all the, all the species that are in the non-game categories as well. Well, there you go. Well said. Hunters certainly are the heroes of conservation. Folks, that was Wes Seeger, Commissioner with the Wild, North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. Folks, when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the outfitters here in North Carolina about the bear season, the bear hunt, what you might expect when you book a hunt here. And so this is Rob Keck, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. More coming up. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with Old Beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with our next guest. I can tell you I had a grand hunt this morning, and uh, it was one that I guarantee you very few bear hunters would have ever experienced. I saw 13 bears, and amongst those, there were probably 10. It could have been over 500 pounds, and that's not stretching it one bit. Well, I can tell you our guest, he is uh, 
the guy that runs Coastal Wildlife Outfitters. He's a habitat manager. He's a guy that knows an awful lot about the land. He knows a lot about waterfowl and waterfowl building waterfowl impoundments, and he's committed to the future of hunting. He's got a unique and a, and a very interesting uh, program for young people. We'll talk about that in another segment, but right now I want to introduce my new good friend, Mike Johnson. Mike, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Thanks, Rob, and, and welcome to North Carolina. And we uh, we did have a good time this morning. Anytime I can go hunting and not carry a gun and my adrenaline's pumping for an hour and a half, it's a good time. And to see the look on your face and the size of your eyes, well, wasn't that big? Was that as big as what I thought it was? <laughs> yeah, he was big, Rob. He was big. Tell us about bear hunting. You've I've heard people refer to you as probably the most knowledgeable, most successful bear hunting guide in the state of North Carolina. Any truth to that? Well, truthfully, the the truth of that is we are some of the best liars in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) But... it is a passion of mine, the, the study of the bears and the and the, their habits and, and how you would harvest one if you so desired. That's a, it's just one of my favorite things to do and learn. Well, tell us about the experience. I mean, how, how did you get into this? Uh, you shared with me this morning about when you were a kid. Uh, there was a seed planted way, way back. And you know, we've got young people listening. We've got young people that we're trying to inspire and plant those kind of seeds. Tell us about the seed that was planted at Mike Johnson. You know, I don't, I guess my mother bought it for me or my daddy or something, but I had a subscription to Outdoor Life magazine and I read every article in there and that put a, that just put a, a dream in my heart. And I've spent my 62 years, but probably not all 62 of them, but probably 50-some of them, trying to live out every one of those dreams on those pages of that magazine. And I can see the pictures of the the bear attacking the man with the arrow in his hand. And no more bullets, you know. I I got called in algebra class in high school. My algebra teacher walked over and said, Johnson, what are you killing today? I said, well, it ain't nothing squared or two to tenth power, coach. <laughs> oh, me. So that seed was planted. And, and then give us sort of a fast forward to how where you are today and maybe that journey yeah. and how you got to this point in your life. Yeah, it's easy. I, I never walked away from the outdoors. My dad died when I was 13, but I had a great brother hmm. and he liked to hunt. And he carried me everywhere he went. As a matter of fact, I went to NC State University. Uh, from the time my dad died, all the way through high school and college, I was a trapper. And I was able to put myself through college on fur money, mm. which is a, it's a You and I share that love because I, I was a trapper as well. Still am. Well, that, that's kind of a lost and dying thing. But we're trying to teach a few people to do that again. But I just carried on the the love for the outdoors and 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 just in recreational hunting and and after i got out of school i did this for a living did that for a living had some successful businesses but my passion was in the outdoors and i don't know close to 25 years ago i started a management business where i said well i'll go i'll go build you a duck pond and make sure your your ducks are taken care of for the winter and on from there we saw lots of waterfowl this morning too and uh I could see the passion just overflowing as we were watching bears. You were watching, we were both watching these huge flocks of swans that have just moved in here in eastern North Carolina coming down. And, you know, there's a big cold front moving in and waterfowl's moving. And uh, uh, I know that's one of your passions. But uh, pick it up where the bear part starts. Sure, sure. Um, you know, when I was a kid, if you saw a bear track, 
That was something. As a matter of fact, we were scared of them. Oh, Lord, there's a bear track. Let's get out of the woods. My brother used to scare me all the time. Man, a bear is going to get you. And so I was scared of the dark and the bears because of him. But uh, but fast forward, bears started showing up more prevalent in North Carolina. And in my daily routine of being outdoors, I'd start to see them. And I'm going, man, that's kind of neat what he's doing. Well, look at that. Let's look at these trees. Look at what he's marking his territory. Look at this. And so I started studying bears. And then I started noticing the, the size of the bears and the increase of the population of bears. And then people wanted to start hunting them. And I said, okay, well, let's go. We've always had bear hunters, but it, it probably wasn't the, the cool thing uh-huh. forever. But now it's turned into the real cool thing. And it's something that I, I like being good at and, and, and just trying to figure out what that bear's next move is going to be. I, I hunt bears. My method is to get between the bear's feeding area and their bedding area. And if I can move the bear's feeding area as far away as I can from the bedding area, you can take that predominantly nocturnal creature and hopefully get an eyesight of him in the morning before after dark. And it's, I mean, after light instead of dark. You've put a lot of preparation into this season, as I'm sure you've done with most bear season. What, what do you go through in, in preparing uh, for the opening of the season? You were so knowledgeable. In fact, this morning you said... There's 14 bears going to cross mm-hmm. on this dike. Well, there were 13 that crossed, and then it came to you, well, the 14th one uh, my client took on Saturday. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously you knew because you spent time there. Tell us about that preparation. Yeah, I, I do spend time in advance, a month or two, uh, albeit not regularly, not every day, because bears are very intelligent. They don't like to be looked at. They don't like to be poked at, and they don't like to smell human beings. But I do study them from afar with with good optics and spotting scopes. And one of the challenges of a bear hunter and the joys of a bear hunter is to be able to identify an individual bear. And bears are much like human beings. Once you learn what they look like, there's fat ones, skinny ones, long ones, short ones, big-footed ones, big-nosed ones, little-ear ones, big-ear ones. The old adage, well, don't shoot a bear if you can see his ears because that makes him little. That's not so. There's big-eared 600-pound bears walking around out there. Shoot the bear. So it's, uh, it's, it's learning how to identify one from the other. And, and I do believe, and a good friend of mine, Jim Shaaki, who's a better bear hunter than me, agreed with me it is the hardest north american animal to judge the size of absolutely and in the place that that i like to hunt them the best we got about a second and a half to judge the size of them so you got to get pretty good at it or you might have ground shrinkage and an unhappy client yeah well look that's going to take us to our next break and uh folks we've got a lot more to talk about and we return going to continue our conversation about bear hunting in eastern North Carolina with Mike Johnson. This and a whole lot more coming right up. Sirius XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization. Get connected with Real Ag Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in all of North America. Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app. 
Concerned about your local quail populations? Do you care about wildlife, the environment, and our outdoor heritage? Join Quail Forever today and make a difference for wildlife in your area. Quail Forever empowers local chapters with the tools to improve habitat for your area's quail populations. To join or start your own local Quail Forever chapter, contact the Quail Forever National Headquarters toll-free at 1-866-457-8245 or on the web at www.quailforever.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here in eastern North Carolina. It's bear season, and our guest right now, the guy that runs Coastal Wildlife Outfitters Habitat Manager, Mike Johnson. Mike, we talked about preparation. Mm-hmm. We talked about these, these bears of different sizes, but you're one that told me that you can look at a bear and say whether he's a 300 or a 400 or a 500 or a 600 or a 700-pound bear. How do you do that? I mean, you mentioned you and Jim Shockey both said it's the hardest thing to judge, but yet you've come pretty close to calling it right. How did you do that? I think, Rob, just looking at hundreds and thousands of them, getting up in the morning go looking at bears. But the only way you can see if you're right is to make that harvest and hang him on a scale. I can tell you they're a thousand pounds, but if you don't get to weigh them, you never know. It's kind of like yeah. We, we know all about woods weight when it comes to turkeys. I've had guys say, "Oh man, I killed a thirty pounder." I said, "Well, did you put it on the scale?" No, I lifted it up and it felt like it was thirty pounds. Yeah. yeah well, I, I understand that concept. Well, there's well, a, there's a lot of trial and error. You yeah. know, you, you you guess it and then you weigh it and 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 you and you get it right or wrong. Wrong is usually never good unless it's on the good side. I shot one for a 500. Well, my client shot one. I told him to weigh 550. And we're sitting there. And then I saw about the ones me and you saw this morning. They came out and they were bigger and bigger. And in my mind, that bear was shrinking. When I got to him, he was there dead. And, man, he looked like 450. And the wind came out of my cells. I said, man, I made a mistake here, I guess. But when we got him to the scales, he weighed 552. So he ground swole. Uh-huh. Instead of shrunk, I understand. But, but they're they're almost impossible to judge dead if you're used to looking at them on the hoof. We use criteria like length of bear, mm-hmm. tallness of bear, how much gap there is of daylight between his stomach and the ground. So how fat he is. Uh, there's three or four different things we look like look at, but all of it is it's just like anything else. It's it's kind of caught and not taught. I can look at him and tell you that's a big one. But I can't tell you why, except for I've seen a lot of other ones that look like him. I hear and, and we've harvested them. One of the things you told me was that uh, it'd really be good if you could drop that bear on the spot. Yes, sir. And not shoot him in a way that he runs off into the swamp because of, one, trailing him, but maybe more importantly, trying to get him out of there. What do you tell your hunters as far as the point of aim, where you want that impact to be on that bear's body? Absolutely. That's a great question. Our bears weigh up and over 700 pounds, and they can tote an amazing impact. And I tell every one of my hunters to shoot it directly in the shoulder. Now, that doesn't seem like, well, that's not the kill shot. It's not his boiler room. No, but it's all the foundation that holds that boiler room up. And as soon as you shoot that bear in the shoulder, preferably with a belted magnum if you're hunting with me, 
you're going to take his wheels out from under him and he's going to fall right in that road where you can pick him up with a piece of equipment instead of your back. And <laughs> I, I like to do it that way every time. I've seen it over and over. I've never lost one on a shoulder shot, nor have I had one run away on a shoulder shot. The only ones I've had to run off into the swamp were the good old boiler room shot, which is great. and He's dead. But he's 300 yards back there. He weighs 700 pounds. And he doesn't have a handle on him anywhere. What kind of equipment do you use to get one of those things out of there? I mean, I've handled bears up to 300 pounds, and I could hardly handle it with a, a partner. When you start doubling that weight, tell us, I mean, I know we've got listeners right now saying, well, this guy's crazy. <laughs> How do you do it? Well, it's uh, everybody's got their own recipe. My friend Wes, you heard of, he uses one of those little Honda-powered uh, winches, you know, 200 foot at a time. Uh-huh. Great idea. Yeah. There's guys, there's different ways to, to tie a stick in their mouth and get four guys on the head, eight guys cutting the path, and somebody pushing. Well, that's an all-day venture right there. Uh, like I say, I like to shoot mine in the road. I, like, I set my hunt up. I plan ahead, set my hunt up, and try to cut him off where I can get a piece of powered equipment with hydraulics to it to put it in the back of a pickup. But if he gets in the swamp, you know, just several shots of rope, hope you can get something powered to him. Otherwise, you got a long day. You mentioned about briars. We talked today about some of these saw briars and the thicket, thickets that, that are here just literally tear your pants apart even when you've got briar britches on give our listeners some idea about this habitat that borders these agricultural fields yeah this is we not only have some of the largest and most plentiful black bears in the world but we certainly have the thickest woods in the world (laughs) Uh, uh, you there's many of our acres that when you you crawl in the woods and if you've got to go 300 yards 250 of them on your hands and knees uh, when we go in after a bear, there's usually a couple of guys in front with a machete trying to get it so you're not crawling. I've been face-to-face and nose-to-nose with bears because I was crawl- were crawling and dogs were chasing them and I didn't know who was going to die, me or the bear. I was hoping it was me <laughs> and so far I've been okay with that. But uh, but you can, the vegetation is so thick in our woods, you can actually crawl on top of it eight foot above the ground and it holds you up. Until you fall through, then you, you got a problem. But it, that, that is really, that's one of the ways that our bears get so large. They're they absolutely unmolested. Yeah. They got a place to hide. And like every other animal, they need to rest and hide from time to time. Back on plat, on shot placement, uh, how about caliber of rifle? I know we've got guys listening here saying, gosh, I don't know if my 30 odd six is the kind of gun I ought to be bringing. Should I be bringing something bigger? I mean, a, what do you recommend? What do you tell your hunters before they come? Well, you you just mentioned a, a classic caliber, and it's still a good one. A thirty alt six is a great caliber for everything, but it can shoot a big old bullet that has a, has a lot of shock to it. But I'm a total fan of the belted magnum. I see more bears drop right out of sight upon uh, pulling the trigger with any belt, any of the belted magnums. Thirty caliber. Is a good thing when we're when we're hunting close quarters in the woods. Any of the heavier lever actions, you know, the forty caliber stuff. That's what we use at close close range. Good. All right. Well, look, we're going to take our next break, and uh, we've got another segment here with with Mike Johnson. A lot more to talk about. When we return, we're going to continue this conversation about bear hunting, bear management. This and a whole lot more coming right up. 
Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here in beautiful eastern North Carolina. We're in the black bear season. If you just tuned in, we're visiting with the guy that runs, the guy that founded Coastal Wildlife Outfitters, Habitat Manager, Mike Johnson. Mike, we're talking about, you know, the bear hunt itself. What do you do with a bear after you shoot it? Well, after we shoot it, <laughs> that's a good question. We, if we're fortunate enough to have it in the road, it goes in a truck, and uh, it either comes back to our lodge, and we 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 skin the bear, we we dress the bear, or or we'll carry it to a, a processor. But we, I have a rule of my own. It's not everybody's, but the 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 large black bears we have in North Carolina are our North Carolina's true trophy animal. They're not in this number and size that I know of anywhere else in America. There are some big ones up in Pennsylvania and on the East Coast, but not probably not going to see 10 of this size. No. So it is our trophy, and, and we're going to claim it. You know, Somebody can prove us wrong later, and that's okay. I've been wrong a lot. But, uh, but I believe we totally utilize our bear. I think we, I, we certainly have to, to eat all the meat, and we do. Our bears are omnivores. You heard Wes say they're eating corn, peanuts, and soybeans, mm-hmm. so they have a delicious flavor. We, we utilize every piece of the meat. And then I suggest that my hunters do a full-body mount just to totally respect the trophy as they should. If I see a guy saw a 500-pound black bear in half, it makes me faint uh, and stick his head out of the wall. Uh, he, just, he just should be treated with respect. As, as as he should. Yeah, for sure. And you've got a great bear taxidermist uh, right here locally. Yep. And, uh, you know, one of the things makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, if you're coming in from out of state and, you know, maybe you're from uh, a state where there are no bears at all. And a lot of times the taxidermist doesn't really have the vision, the understanding, the know-how of what these bears should look like. And uh, you've got some here in North Carolina that see and mount lots of bears. Tell us about that. Yeah, he doesn't. Our, our bears are, are shaped somewhat different than every other bear in the country. He's not shaped like a black bear as such, because he's even got a kind of a hump in his back like a grizz, but he's not shaped exactly like a grizzly bear either. So the, the proper forms were a, actually developed by North Carolina taxidermists to fit these bears by copious measurements and then sculpting their own molds to make the forms off of. And it's, uh, it's, you can, you can make one look mighty odd to the eye if you take one of our giant bears and mount it on a black bear frame. Yeah. Well, real good. We're going to shift gears right now because you're 
part of, you're leading the way in a very important ministry, a very important outreach, a tremendous commitment to the youth of our nation and getting them outdoors. Tell us about what you're doing. It's just very, very, very important to our future, I think, of quality of life and really coming much, much closer in relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Tell us about that. I thought you'd never ask. I really appreciate that, Rob. That is, uh, bear hunting is is a passion, but uh, leading the next generation to Christ through the outdoors is my calling, and it's what I wake up in the morning thinking about. It's what I go to bed thinking about. I'm national director of an organization called Cross Trail Outfitters Youth Hunting and Fishing Club, and it's exactly what it sounds like. We are a, a group of men and some women uh, taking young men, guideline age 7 to 20, but it can be from 5 to 30. I, I don't care. We don't turn anybody <laughs> away. But we're, we're taking a group of young men and some girls on hunting and fishing trips all over this country and now in Canada. Um, we took 6,000-plus trips across America last year with kids, and we're, and we're a fairly young organization, 10 or 12 years old. And uh, our, our hunting trips range from big game trips out west to a rabbit trip in a patch of briars in North Carolina. Uh-huh. And, and it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't put the emphasis on the trophy, but we put the emphasis on what's before them and what they left behind. And I, I heard it said today on this interview about video games and indoors. We have an epidemic of indoor children. And it is, it is, I see it as my total job until I die to get as many kids afield and teach them what I learned in the pages of Outdoor Life as a kid and instill that same passion in them that I have today. Otherwise, I think our outdoor sport of hunting and fishing is done. It's a done deal. It'll die right here. Tell us about your chapters. Uh, you mentioned to me this morning as we were coming back from our morning hunt uh, that you're not only located here in North Carolina, but a number of other states. Correct, correct, Rob. We have chapters all over the country. And a chapter is basically a man and his team that cares about children, that knows a little something about the outdoors, and is willing to give his time to carry them out. We, we take them out. We take them out on weekend trips. Like I say, from anywhere from fishing to hunting or whatever, we have a question of the day in the morning. Question of the day could be anything. Why do you like to hunt? And we usually tie that to a scripture. And at night, we'll have discussion around a campfire about that question of the day and that scripture. And and for some of you listening, you go, I don't know about all that Bible stuff. Well, that's okay, too. But I needed some sort of guidebook to teach these kids some rules. And it was the only rule book on life I could find. So I choose it. And it's a dang good one. It's worked out for me. I'm not in prison and I'm here talking to you today. <laughs> but, uh, but we have, do, we do have chapters all over the country now. We're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, Illinois, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Washington State, Alberta, Canada, and South Dakota and South Carolina. So, and, and growing every day and are looking for people right now that think that it would be a good idea to take some kids hunting and fishing, but don't really know how to do it. Maybe you, you're thinking, well, I could do that. I've always wanted to do take kids fishing. I always wanted to be a youth whatever. Don't try to start your own. 
We've gone through all the loops. We've jumped through all the hoops. We've got all the insurance in place. We know the right and wrongs. We know how to train you. We can help you. So if you care about your sport of hunting and fishing and the right to keep and bear arms, our heritage, our, our tagline is building men, preserving our heritage, and sharing our faith. If you care about that at all in your community and you think this generation is worth saving, you get up with me. And I'll have somebody at your doorstep to tell you what we do and how to do it. Mike, well said. We're going to take us into our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Lots more to talk about. This and a whole lot more. You're going to be listening here to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck, your host. We'll be right back. We are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world. But today, the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation. And we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. Sure, there's still a whole lot of work to be done, but we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of DU conservationists. And with a little help from you, our future is looking really bright. Ducks Unlimited, working for conservation for generations to come. A public service from Ducks Unlimited. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And I can tell you this, we were having just a lively discussion, an inspirational discussion, certainly an educational discussion, not only in bear management, but looking at the future of our young people and the great outdoors, introducing them to some quality experiences. And I've got with me Mike Johnson. You know, it is a commitment. It's a passion. I could hear that this passion that you've committed to our young people is even greater than hunting. Where did that come from? Tell us about that, because you can hear it in your voice. That is an excellent question, and I've never been asked that. But as you were asking that question, I think I got the answer. I really do. I thought about it. I think it probably comes back to growing up without a father and what that would mean. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even within the church today, the divorce rate is over 50% in the church And I don't know what it is amongst the rest of America, somewhat greater. And so there is a ton of boys out there growing up without a father. And there's some amazing women trying to raise those boys. And this country, if not even anything to do with hunting and fishing, is not in trouble. But it's in trouble about the identity of who a young man is in his mind. You know, when I look across the country and I see... The number of churches that doors are shuttering up. I remember past president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he said in the next 20 years, maybe another 20,000 doors will be closed on churches around this country. To me, that's alarming. I know it is to you. How do you think we can turn that tide? And and any thoughts you'd like to offer? You know, I'm friends with uh, one of the most famous evangelists ever been walked the face of the earth, Reverend Billy Graham. His grandson is a dear friend of mine, and we've all sat there and had the discussion. How do we turn it around? Why are we leaving? I think we're leaving because we spend so much time with other outside influence, television, 
cell phones, Instagram, Facebook, all the noise that's that's before us today, and most of it telling us just the opposite of God is good. And I think we can't hear the voice of our own father calling us, come home, stay home. I think we don't hear that anymore because all of the outside noise. I can tell you this morning, as we looked at those bears, as we looked and we heard that waterfowl, we knew that our creator had to have had such a special hand in what he has created, given to us uh, as stewards of these great natural resources. What inspires you most here in this in these final moments of being outside to share this, whether it's with young people, whether it's with clients uh, that you have that are here to hunt? Tell us your thoughts on that. Well, that's an easy one for me. There's uh, one of the things I'll ask kids and even grown-ups. You know, we talked about this in the blind a little bit this morning. Is I'll ask them, "Have you ever seen God?" And, of course, the answer is no. They're looking for this guy walking around with a beard and a long rope, maybe holding a cane or something. I don't know. My, my, I know what my vision of God was. But I've had kids in the outdoors. Well, no, I haven't, Mr. Mike. I'm Mr. Mike all over America. Um, but I said, well, how about those swans? How about those bears? Did you hear those geese? How about them wood ducks this morning? Did you hear that splash? Yeah. I said, that was all God. He created that stuff because he loved you so much. He just wanted you to have pleasure all of your life. And he created all of that creation just for your pleasure. And through a a trip and another trip and more explanation, little Johnny or little Sarah soon started to say, you know, I think I heard from God. And if these kids can hear from God at a young age, then that church door you're talking about will not close. Mm-hmm. But if the church is kicked out of their life by noise and nobody asking them, have you seen God? Do you know what he looks like? Do you know what he's done for you? It, it'll die. And, and, when this, and when that dies, this country dies because that's how this country was founded. So well said. I know the most important people that you've got have been these young people. But you've also had some celebrities here that have hunted as well. I don't know if you want to share any names at all, but I know some are quite familiar to those in the great outdoors. Yeah, we, we, we've made some good friends through hunting, and, and that's the other thing that that'll do for these kids. The, 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 all of the good and honest and beneficial relationships that I have in my life came from a deer stand, a bear stand, a duck blind, or the cockpit of a boat. And all my good relationships are that way. But, yeah, I've made, I've made some good friends over the years. Just recently, Jim and Shockey and his daughter, Eva, have hunted Those with me. good friends of mine. And they killed, actually, their biggest bears uh, ever. Right here with you. Yep, on the same day. Uh-huh. On the same day. Uh, Jim and I had a long discussion about shot placement, but Eva listened to me, and she dropped hers <laughs> in the road. <laughs> but... uh I, I've, uh, through different types of hunting and fishing, I've had the Trump family, um, uh, Don Jr. and Little Donnie, which are some of the most amazing people I've ever hunted with. What great sportsmen they are. Little Donnie's gone to my Cross Trail Outfitter summer camp, along with the Secret Service, so it was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're just about out of time. When people want to know more about Cross Trails, your, your ministry, how would they find out about it? Easy enough. www.teamcto.org. That's www.teamcto.org. 
Mike Johnson, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for what you're doing. I know you're doing the Lord's work, and it is so beautiful. It's wonderful to be here in eastern North Carolina. And folks, that's going to wrap it up here today on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll be back next week with another show you won't want to miss. And until then, I'm Rob Keck on behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Talking all things outdoors. Brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations. Right here on Rural Radio, the agribusiness and western lifestyle channel. Thank you.